0: Good morning, church. Today's scripture is James 4, 6 through 17. But he gives greater grace, therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is to sin to know the good and yet not do it. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated.
1: Thank you, sir. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? You guys know my name. I feel loved. Hey, uh, we're going to talk about pride today. It's going to be fun. Um <laughs> Before we jump into uh, the text this morning, uh, I want to give some updates on Shelby Supply Company. So uh, I am a teaching pastor here at Shelbyville Community Church. I teach here a handful of times, um, and my other primary responsibility is overseeing something called the Shelby Supply Company. It is a job skills training ministry that we are continuing to get off the ground. Uh, And so uh, I had met with Pastor Brad on Friday. Uh, We had lunch, and we were just talking through how things were going, and he's like, man, there's a lot of cool stuff, like. These are things that the church needs to know about. So um, I'm going to take some time before we jump into James and uh, share some of this stuff if you guys are okay hearing about it. So uh, I have the microphone. You don't. Sorry. (laughs) Things we could celebrate. Man, there's a long list here. I'm going to go fast. Uh, We received a $5,000 grant from Main Street Shelbyville to help us renovate what is going to be the storefront. Uh, So we bought a building last year, 24 East Hendrick Street, and uh, a portion of that building is going to be a storefront that sells goods made here in Shelby County. Uh, and that storefront area uh, is currently under renovation, and so getting this grant from Main Street, they're actually paying for all new flooring, all new trim, all the ceiling tiles, like a ton of stuff going into the storefront, which I think is super cool. Uh, We received a $5,000 grant from the MHP Foundation to purchase supplies for our Jobs for Life classes, as well as uh, a walk-behind forklift that we can use to unload lumber deliveries and move materials around the shop, including heavy tools so I don't have to man, bear, hug, pig them wherever they go. Uh, Blue River Community Foundation awarded us $3,700 to purchase three laptops and a monitor uh, for participants in our classes to write resumes on and apply for jobs with, and we can use them to stream teaching for small groups. Uh, the Bridge Ministries uh, was awarded $32,000 from a national opioid settlement that was given to the city. All right? So this is federal money that was given to the state of Indiana, that was given to Shelbyville, that was given to the bridge. Right. 22,000 of that is for salaries. I like getting paid. Uh, 10,000 of that is to do ministry in the jail. Here's the deal, the federal government is giving us money to go do ministry in the jail. That's legit, right? And uh, yeah, that's awesome. And we're actually still in talks with the city about getting more money to help with training. Uh, for our staff, for our volunteers to get trained, so we can do the work that uh, we're doing even better. Uh, I just want you to know this. We were the only non-government entity to receive any money from this settlement in Shelbyville. The only one. Um, This is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal. Uh, We had a family donate all-new LED lighting for the entire building at Shelby Supply, so when you come you can get a tan when you flip the switch on. Uh, It is very bright. Other cool things. I was invited to present to the board of Rupert's kids and share what we're doing and kind of the goals and where we're headed and just to build relationships with another organization and some of the folks that uh, lead that. It was really, really cool. Uh, We were able to sit and meet with some recruiters from Canoff to talk about how graduates from our program can uh, get employed at Canoff. What is it that they're looking for? How can we work together uh, to provide opportunities for them? Um, Kanoff Insulation uh, is donating all of the loose-fill insulation, all the, the insulation we're gonna blow into the rafters out in the shop, they're donating all of that. Um, and Serve Shelbyville uh, is actually working with Kanoff to put together a corporate workday. So on August 23rd we're gonna have 15 people from Kanoff Corporate at the shop helping us with our renovations. Um, it's insane, uh, some of the things that are going on. Uh, we've got a meeting with the Chamber of Commerce, with probation, with community corrections, in a couple of weeks to talk about second chance employment here in Shelby County. Um, God is opening a lot of doors, uh, and it's really, really cool to see. And so these are just a few of the things that I thought were worth celebrating. I hope that that's encouraging to you. Um, another thing, uh, we are working on... Finally, uh, becoming a nonprofit exempt, uh, not-for-profit organization, right? And what this does really is just remove barriers for individuals to make donations, right? Uh, there are folks that will give to nonprofit organizations. Uh, there are grants that will give to nonprofit organizations, but they will not give to churches. And so, by establishing a 501c3, we're still a part of the church. We're still here with the church, um, but people can make donations directly to those things, and that just removes a barrier and I would love for as many people to get involved financially as possible. I think that's a beautiful thing to get involved in what we're doing. Um, The other piece is Shelby Supply is a registered retail merchant in the state of Indiana, which is business speak for I get to pay taxes. Uh, And so being a not-for-profit organization is just gonna help us be a ministry and a business and have those two things work together well. Uh, And so it's been a multi-year process of figuring out how is it you can be a nonprofit that makes money through the sales of goods to support yourself so you can keep doing the work that you're doing. Because here's the deal, teaching job skills training classes to people that are unemployed or underemployed, um, it doesn't make you very much money. (laughs) And so we've got to figure out other ways to do it, which is the whole point of Shelby Supply Company. We want to train folks to get jobs. We want to equip them with job skills. And the way we're gonna do that is by selling furniture and creating furniture. Uh, we're gonna be doing a lot of work there, teaching woodworking classes out of the shop for people in the community, as well as having the storefront where we sell goods. And all of that money is gonna go and help us uh, teach job skills training classes. Like that's, that's our goal. Uh, and so becoming a not-for-profit is actually gonna benefit us in how that all works from a business sense, right? Um, other things you could be praying for. Uh, September 11th is our very first Jobs for Life class for the fall session, and we've still got a couple openings. So be praying. Uh, We have uh, a max of seven students that we'll take. Um, This is a pretty intense kind of group class type thing, and doing that in a smaller context is just much safer than having a really big group of people together and trying to do this. And so uh, we still have some openings. Uh, So if you'd be praying that we could fill those, uh, be praying that we could get some more corporate partners. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen with Kanoff. I just know that right now, we are working on a lot of cool things together. And I would love to see that happen with other Uh, businesses and other corporations here in Shelby County as we build this network of employers who are willing to hire folks that graduate out of our program. um, I would love to see businesses invest and say, hey, I'm willing to sponsor one of your Jobs for Life classes. I think this is beneficial not only for individuals and their families, but also for our community as a whole, and we want to partner with you in that. So be praying for that. Um, Like I said, we've got this meeting with the chamber on the 21st. If you could be praying for that, that God would open doors uh, with the chamber and and, uh, with us and community corrections and probation as we're working together. And uh, we are slowly but surely renovating our home. Uh, 24 East Hendricks. It looks a little different from the outside. It looks a lot different from the inside. Uh, The classroom has been completely renovated. What will be my office has been renovated. Uh, The shop space, which was a pole barn, is now insulated, drywalled. Uh, We're getting electrical put in. And soon tools will be in there and we will be making sawdust instead of working on the building. Uh, And so my goal is that Small Business Saturday of this year, one year from the last time many of you were in there, uh, we're gonna have an open house again. And we want you to come and see the renovated space and see the work that we're doing in it instead of just hearing about here's what we're going to do. Now it's here's what we're doing and uh, invite you in to check that out, right? So there's a few things, some updates. I know I've been a little quiet on that front, um, but a lot of stuff is happening. that is really, really cool. And uh, hopefully that's an encouragement to you because it's been very, very encouraging to me. Thank
0: you.
1: And I am, uh, I'm just, I'm grateful. I mean, to be a part of a church that helped launch this and is continuing to help and get this up and running. I just think it's really cool. I have a lot of friends in ministry. I went to Bible school. Uh, Most of the guys that stood up in my wedding went into ministry, and they're like, we've never seen a church do something like that before. Um, And I just think it's cool that this is something that we've chosen to engage in here in our community. So uh, let me pray, and we're going to jump into James together. right? Father, thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you for all the ways that you're providing and the doors that you're opening and the work that you're doing that we see and the work that you're doing that we aren't even aware of. Father, I... I'm grateful uh, to be a part of it, and I'm grateful our church is a part of it, and uh, I'm so excited to see uh, how our community is going to be affected and changed through all of this. Uh, Father, this morning, I, I pray that, um, that the words that we read, uh, that they would penetrate our hearts, that we would um, take seriously the words that James penned for us. Uh, and that uh, we would take this and apply it to our lives, that we would be a changed people and a changed church leaving uh, this building, and that we would go out into our community and change it through the gospel. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Let's talk about pride. Who's excited they came to church today? Woo! All right, so James half-brother of Jesus, right? He wrote this letter. James did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was until after Jesus died and rose from the dead. Now, I don't have a brother. I have two sisters. But if I did have a brother and he died and he rose from the dead, I'd probably be more likely to believe he's God. Um, And that's what happened to James here, right? He didn't believe the things that Jesus was saying or doing until after he had passed and rose from the dead. In fact, he makes such a dramatic turn, he not only becomes a Christian, but he becomes a pastor and he becomes one of the leaders in the early church. And James had this nickname known as James the Just, and we're going to hear it here this morning as he gives us a spiritual spanking uh, in regard to pride. Right? James wrote this letter to Christians who have been persecuted and they have scattered all over the Mediterranean area. These folks were from Jerusalem, they were from uh, this region, and they were spread all over because they were facing the threat of death, the threat of punishment, the threat of abuse because of their faith in Jesus. And so James writes this letter to them and actually opens with the words, consider it all joy when you face trials of various kinds because it creates an endurance that leads to maturity that is complete and lacking in nothing. I think for most of us, we hear these words and we get stuck on joy and trials and we're like, and that's where it ends. But the reality is, James says, the goal of all of this is maturity. The goal of all of this stuff is that you will be mature and complete. You'll be lacking in nothing. And the rest of the book, the rest of this letter that he wrote, he goes on to share there are a lot of pitfalls on the road to maturity. There's a lot of roadblocks. There's a lot of things that are going to trip you up. And so uh, he says, you know what? You, You shouldn't just hear the word, but you need to do the word. How we treat other people is a pitfall, right? What temptations do you have? Where do those come from? What kind of wisdom are you basing your life off of? What about judgment and mercy? How do these things work together? How do we speak and the effects that the things we say have on other people? How do faith and works go together? And this morning, we are going to dig into something that is a problem for all of us, and it's the problem of pride. Now, I think all of us have heard this saying, money is the root of all. Yeah. But Augustine says pride is pregnant with all possible sin. That pride is pregnant with all possible sin. In fact, Money is an inanimate object, right? It's not good or bad, it just is what it is. What makes it good or bad is the person spending it, and the person who's spending it has their own desires. And so money is not the root of all evil. Pride is the root of all evil, right? Pride is the doorway to all sorts of places we don't want to end up. Pride is the root of all kinds of evil and destruction, right? Pride can be... uh, Pride can take a life. Pride can end careers. Pride can alienate friends. Pride can end marriages. Pride can divide families. Pride can divide a nation. Pride can split churches. The truth is that God takes pride very seriously. In Proverbs 15.25, it says, "The uh, The Lord tears apart the house of the proud. In Proverbs 16, 5, he says, Everyone with a proud heart is detestable to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16, 18, Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. And in Luke 14, 11, Jesus is teaching. He says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so James is going to take the same message taught by his brother And he's gonna bring us back to this truth, right? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And this is a summary of what we're gonna talk about today. Now, before we jump into the text, we are gonna do something fun. Uh, We're gonna take a pride test. Yes, right? Aren't you glad you came to church, right? So you're gonna take out some paper, maybe you're on your phone, right? Every question that you would say yes to, as painful as it is, make a mark. And at the end, We've got a fun way of grading things. All right, question one on our pride test. Do you long for a lot of attention? Are you often trying to make people notice you? You frequently make a scene to draw attention to yourself. Do you long for a lot of attention? Two, do you become jealous or critical when others succeed? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they got that job. I'm way better than they are. I can't believe she got engaged. I'm way prettier than her. Are you jealous or critical when others succeed? Do you always have to win? You got people you don't like playing games with? I do. Yeah, Yeah. do you have to win, right? Is everything a competition? When somebody tells tells a story, do you have to one-up them? do you always have to win? Do you have a pattern of lying? Because lying is pride manifest in not wanting the real you to be exposed. Nobody likes getting busted. I don't want you to know who I am and what's going on. Do you have a hard time acknowledging that you were wrong? Like, do you squirm when you're confronted? Do you have an excuse or an answer for everything? Do you have a lot of conflict in your life, right? Realistically, Jesus had a ton of conflict in his life. So I'm not saying this is a for sure sign, but it's definitely a red flag, right? If you are constantly in arguments with other people, it might be a pride thing. Do you often cut in line at the store, the airport, maybe you got some road rage on the freeway? Right, You cut in line, right? Because ultimately what that says is my schedule is more important than yours, right? Do you get upset when people don't honor your achievements? Like, man, where are my accolades? Like, why didn't you applaud me when I did that? Like, when are you going to realize how hard I work? Do you tend to feel more entitled than thankful? Like, do you believe you deserve everything you have? Do you believe you deserve more than what you have? And the last one, do you honestly feel superior to others? Now, most people aren't gonna say this out loud, but what happens when you pull up to a light and somebody is begging for money on the side of the street? What runs through your head? Do you feel superior to them? When you're at a store, you're at the mall, You're at school, and you see somebody walk towards you, and you're like, yo, I would never wear that. You feel superior to other people. All right. We did 10. We could have gone all morning. I'm having fun. If you score between a 1 and a 10, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. If you score between a 1 and a 10, you are prideful. And if you score to zero, you're very prideful. <laughs> right? The good news is we don't hand out participation trophies here. We are all winners. Yay. Now, I think it's really healthy to think about how something plays out in our life before we sit under teaching in relations to it. Right? And I think for most of us, when pride is brought up, when pride is taught on, we immediately think of somebody else and apply what's about to be said to them. They're like, man, I really wish Joe would have been here today. I'm gonna text so and so to be here for second service. I'm gonna send a link to this message when I get home. Here's the deal: this message is for you and you alone. It's for me. I've been sitting with it all week. It's been awesome. This isn't for your spouse, this isn't for somebody sitting next to you, this isn't for your kid, this isn't for your friend, this isn't for your coworker. this is for you. When it comes to pride, we're all guilty and we all need to grow. And so the teaching this morning is for you and you alone. We're going to open up to James chapter 4 and we're going to start in verse 6. And where we're starting is actually tied to what James wrote before this, Uh, and so I'm going to summarize a little bit of Pastor Brad's teaching last week, right? He opened up chapter four, and James, the beginning of this chapter, asked the question, what causes wars and fights? What causes pleasure-seeking? What causes the killing and coveting between people? And James says, uh, it's from within you. What causes all of this actually comes from you, It comes from within ourselves, right? The cause of many of our fights and our conflicts It actually comes from within me. Now, most of us would say, man, I've never killed anybody. James is like, no, you've killed with your words. You've killed with your lack of words, with your silence. You've killed with your distance. We create relational murder all the time the wars and the fights and the killing and the coveting and the pleasure-seeking, it comes from unmet desire. And far too often, I want my desires to be met before I want your desires to be met. Right? Does this sound familiar? James is saying your pride is causing all sorts of conflict with the ones that you care most about. Why? Because it's in here. James then switches to focus on our relationship, uh, not just with people, but our relationship with God. In chapter four, verse five, he says, do you think it is without reason that the scripture says he jealously yearns for the spirit he made to live in us? Church, the God of the universe deeply desires a relationship with you. The God of the universe deeply desires intimacy with you. The God of the universe desires deeply desires abiding presence with you. He wants to be the most important relationship in your life. But we turn our back and we pursue other pleasures to fill this void that only God can fill. And it's our pride that makes us believe we know better than he does. Now, I'm not gonna compare myself to God, um, but I, I felt a small sliver of this. Uh, I have been pretty open and shared frequently uh, that my wife and I have been foster parents. Um, And three years ago, we had a six-year-old stranger move into our house. Um, And one of the cool things of being a foster parent is it provides you the opportunity to do all sorts of stuff for this kid that maybe they've never done before. And that's awesome, but there's a part of you that secretly says, I want to be this kid's everything. And on the other hand, there's parents still involved in the picture, and that should be them for this kid, right? And so there's this tension. And so this little girl moves into my home, and man, we're cooking meals for her, and we're buying clothes for her, and we're taking her shopping, and we're taking her on all these first-time experiences to the zoo and to museums and camping and doing all this cool stuff. And there's a part of me that's like, oh, I love that I get to this for you and you should be thankful that I'm doing this for you and several months into her being at our home I went upstairs I tucked her in we read a book we prayed and I'm walking out of her bedroom door and she says I love you and in my head I was like oh this is happening and as soon as it started to register in my brain what was taking place she followed it up with but I love my mom more This isn't how I pictured this moment going, right? I love you, but I love my mom more. And so I went downstairs and I sat on the couch and in my head, I was wrestling pretty hard with the reality of all of the things that I have done for this kid. Like, man, I'm I'm the one raising you. I'm the one wiping the tears from your face when you've been let down. I'm the one teaching you. I'm the one training you. I'm the one feeding you. I'm the one, like, here's all these things that I'm doing for you. And on the other hand, I'm like, I can't imagine being six and living with strangers and slowly falling in love with them but not wanting to betray my favorite person in the world. And so I'm sitting on the couch and I'm wrestling with this whole thing and I'm like, what the heck? And I graciously hear the word... From, from God's voice, and he says, how often do you do that to me? Oh, I don't like that. I love you God, but I love my saw stop more. I love you God, but I love technology more. I love you God, but I, I love my comfort more. I love you God, but I love, you can all fill in the blank, right? We do this all the time. And so in that moment, when I'm sitting here wrestling with my head, I'm like, well, on one hand, here's all the things that I've done, and on the other hand, there's this other person that should be doing these things, right? And so I'm trying to make these things work together. God's like, there is no other person. There is nothing else. It is me and me alone. And so when you say, I love you, but I love something else more, that is a massive betrayal, James is like, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And if you hear nothing else but these words, I want you to hear this. In the very next verse, he opens it up by saying, but he gives greater grace. In the face of telling God, I love you, but I love something else more, it says God gives greater grace. God gives greater grace. God gives more grace. When we turn our back on him, when we think we know better than him, when we put other things in a position that he should be in, he gives us greater grace unmerited favor, unearned acceptance, unlimited love, like this is one of the most important realities of God. We can never exhaust the limits of his grace. There is no brim or bottom. He is always ready to give more grace. Grace in our shortcomings, grace in our wanderings, grace in our desires, grace in our mistakes, grace in our betrayals. He gives more grace grace, God I love you, but I love something else, and he gives us more grace. Verse six, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right, pride is natural, it is. Right, I'm raising a child now, pride is natural, in her, in me, And my wife, the way we handle things, right? We all think we know what's best. Pride is natural. Humility is supernatural. Pride covets other's successes. Humility celebrates their achievements. Pride is selfish. Humility is a servant. Pride gets the glory. Humility gives the glory. Pride is independent. It says, I've got this. I don't need any help. I'll take care of this on my own. I am enough. Humility is dependent. It says, you know what? I can't. I can't do this on my own. Pride is entitled. Humility is thankful. Church, everything this side of hell is a gift. And humility sees that. Pride is achieved. Humility is pursued. And in light of that, he gives greater grace. So how do we receive this grace? Verse seven, it says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse nine, be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. This is language of an Old Testament sacrificial system. Most of us have no idea what that is, let alone verbiage from it. But in the Old Testament, there was a system that separated God from man. There was a system that separated what is holy from what is unholy, from what is clean and what is unclean. Throughout the entire Old Testament, right, man is really kind of kept from the presence of God. We see them build a temple and inside the temple is this room that's closed off and it's this room for the presence of God and everybody else needs to stay out. You don't go into the temple, there's massive walls everywhere keeping you out. like God was separated from us because of our unholiness, because of our uncleanliness, because of our unpureness. And so over and over and over again it was stay back. Stay back, stay back. And Jesus shows up and changes it and says, Draw near. Draw near. This is what makes it so different. The Old Testament does an amazing job at pointing out the problem. There's an issue going on, there's something wrong, there's something broken. Be aware, something's going to fix it, and its name is Jesus. And then we see him show up, and he does. Verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, right? Things are different now. Instead of stay away, you unclean sinner, the invitation of Jesus is draw near, come close. The goal isn't humility, it's intimacy with Jesus. You wanna receive grace? It's intimacy with Jesus. I mean, if the answer to pride was humility, we would get very proud in how humble we were. The answer is Jesus. Humility is a byproduct of following Jesus. In light of what he's done for me, how could I puff out my chest? He came and poured himself out for me. Who am I to build myself up? In chapter four, verse one, right, James starts this entire conversation with what causes quarrels, what causes fights, what causes us to kill and covet so so we can lift ourselves up. That's why we do it, to try and climb to the top, right? We're playing king of the mountain. James in verse 10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. Some translations say, humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up, right? You don't need to lift yourself up. He will We live in a day and age where we have to post impressive photos of our lives for the world to see. Why? So we can lift ourselves up. In a day and age where we're told we need to make more money to be happy. In a day and age where we're told we need to climb a corporate ladder. In a country where we're told you can have anything if you lift yourself up by your bootstraps. James says, knock it off. Knock it off. It's not your job to lift yourself up. In fact, it's your job to break yourself down so he can lift you up. Verse 11. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? So James circles back again to this whole idea of quarreling and fighting and speaking ill of others. And he's like, you know what? Your pride is leading you to fights and quarrels with others. Your pride leads you to criticize, to slander, to defame, and to judge. But Jesus said, I have a new law for you, a law where you love one another. Who are you to sit in the seat of a judge? You didn't create the law. You aren't above the law. You don't have the power to save or destroy. Only Jesus does. There's one lawgiver and one judge, and it's not you. So by taking the role of judge and accuser, a Christian claims to himself a position that the law never gave him. James says your judgment, your criticism, your slander is disobedience. In fact, your judgment, your slander, your criticism is sin. Right? You could be concerned without criticizing. Concern leads to conversations. Criticism leads to killing with our words. Church where two or more gather together, there's going to be conflict. There will. Right? All of us have a sin nature, right? We still have the residue of sin, even if we've said yes to Jesus. Christians are going to inevitably sin against one another. And the question isn't will we experience conflict, but in our conflict, are we going to react or are we going to respond? Because there's a difference, right? We react in light of our hurt, we respond in light of the gospel. We react through our emotions, we respond through godly wisdom. We react with the goal of being right, and we respond with hope of restoration we react to win, we respond to heal. We react out of pride, and we respond out of humility. Verse 13, he says, come now. James sounds like a Midwestern grandma. Oh, come now. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will travel to such and such city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Church, some of us are planners, man. You pull out your phone, you look at your calendar, and it's, man, you're booked up. And then there's other people that are like, well, I think I'm going to eat breakfast and wear pants tomorrow, (laughs) right? Like some of us are planners, some of us aren't planners, and James is like, doesn't really matter what you got planned out, it could all change in an instant, right? Even today, most of us, we have a loose idea of what's happening, right? We're going to leave, we're going to go eat lunch, we're going to, who knows what, and it could all change with a phone call. It could all change with a phone call, right? James is like, you really don't know anything. And even if you did, you don't have the power to do anything about it. Oh, yeah. And your existence is kind of like walking outside on a cold day, and you exhale, and there's a cloud in front of you, and it quickly disappears. So why on earth are you building yourself up? Why are you puffing yourself up? Why are you thinking you are all that when you don't know anything? You're incompetent. You have no power, and you're going to vanish in an instant. you have no ground for swagger or bragging. It's foolish. Instead, verse 15, you should say, if the Lord wills, he will, uh, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Right? In church language, James is talking about sins of commission versus sins of omission. Right? Doing the thing that God has called you to do, right? If God says, do not commit sexual immorality, and you go and you do it, right? Well, you've disobeyed God. But if God says, humble yourself before God, and you choose to ignore that, it's just as bad as committing something he has told you not to do. So James is like, not hearing, it's not just hearing the word, but it's doing the word, right? Followers of Jesus don't get to pick and choose how they follow, they're either all in or they're not in. Like, choosing to deal with your pride is an incredibly serious thing, and it's why James spends an entire chapter on it, right? Throughout this chapter, he says pride comes out in our fights. Pride leads to war. Pride leads you to do whatever you want, to get whatever you want. Pride leads you to entitlement, which is why you don't ask. Pride leads to the worship of your pleasures. Pride leads you to idolatry. Pride leads you to criticize. Pride leads you to judge. Pride leads you to disobey Jesus, command to love one another, pride leads you to plan your life outside the will of God. In summary, James chapter 4 says pride is a big deal, and if you choose to not do anything about it, it's sinful and disobedient. But he gives greater grace. But he gives greater grace. You know, the only way that we can combat pride is through intimacy with Jesus. And intimacy with Jesus doesn't point fingers. It asks God to reveal what's in our hearts, right? It starts with us asking where in my heart is sin uh, contributing pride in my life? Like where is pride, where is anger, where is defensiveness on display in my life? And it means following the truth wherever that leads. Even if you have to say I'm sorry, even if you mean, uh, even if you have to apologize, even if you have to own up to something that you've done, Intimacy means following the truth wherever it leads. Intimacy with Jesus invites and pursues correction and counsel, right? It means going to some other trusted folks and saying, you know what, I got blind spots in my life that I just don't see. There's things that you're probably seeing in me that I don't see. Like I I want you to be honest, right? It's inviting others to speak into your life. Intimacy with Jesus, it means learning from everyone, even your enemies and your critics an opportunity to look past their pride and take whatever little nuggets might be in what they're saying. Intimacy with Jesus means uh, repenting completely and fully. You know, repentance has a really negative connotation in our culture. Um, repentance means to turn around. Like if you were on 65 and you're going south but you're trying to go to Indy, what do you need to do? You need to find an off-ramp and Turn around. That's all he's saying. And if there's something in your life that you are aware is causing you harm, if there's something that is uh, creating issues in your relationships with people, with Jesus, you need to turn around from it. Repentance actually looks like death but leads to freedom. Intimacy with Jesus means seeking and celebrating God's work in the lives of others. Are you actually looking to see how God is at work in the lives of other people, or are you too wrapped up in your own story? Um, Friday, my buddy Jake called me, uh, and he said, hey, I've got something I wanna run past you. Uh, and I was like, okay. And he was like, hey, uh, so I've met uh, a gentleman through work, and um, I've, I've learned a little bit about his story, and he's in a rough spot. Um, his house is in pretty rough shape, and uh, the health department got involved and said, hey, you got five, five days to start cleaning stuff up or we're gonna evict you from your home. And he's like, I, I have absolutely zero desire to do anything, but I-, I feel like I'm supposed to. And the first words I said to him were, Jake, I'm proud of you. Second was, do you have a current tetanus shot? buddy, I'm I'm proud of you. And he's like, well, I haven't even done anything yet. I said, you called somebody and shared with them a prompting that the Holy Spirit gave you. That's a huge deal. And so today at one o'clock, myself and Jake are meeting in the parking lot here at church, and we're gonna drive to this guy's house. I don't know what it looks like, but if he's getting evicted, it's probably not great. And we're gonna clean up as much as we can and help this gentleman as best we can. And I'm gonna offer the invitation to you. If you have nothing going on this afternoon and you wanna be the church for somebody that really needs it, um, we're meeting at one here and we're gonna drive to Rushville and help a gentleman. Uh, And I started talking to Jake and he's like, well, I, I called the health department and like asked a bunch of questions. I'm like, so hold up, you called on this dude's behalf and started advocating for him? And then I found out this morning he went to the store and bought this guy a bunch of groceries we need to celebrate these things in the lives of other people, right? This is intimacy with Jesus. It's where is Jesus at work in your life? and Man, I wanna, I wanna be a part of that. I wanna help you in what you're going to do. It's celebrating those things, right? Pride says this man created a mess and it's his job to clean up. The gospel says Jesus stepped into my mess and advocated on my behalf and I'm gonna live in light of that. Intimacy with Jesus means celebrating God's work in the lives of other people. Intimacy cultivates a spirit of thankfulness, right? Proud people think they deserve everything. Intimacy with Jesus helps you realize that everything is a gift. Intimacy with Jesus means listening to Scripture more than yourself. Man, our our emotions are inconsistent. They are, right? Some people have good days, some people have bad days. Some people have good and bad all at the same time. And our emotions are inconsistent, Scripture's not. We need to listen to Scripture more than our emotions. Intimacy with Jesus means lifting high the name of Jesus in all you do, big or small, right? Whatever makes much of Jesus is the right call, always. Finally, intimacy with Jesus leads you to reflect on where you're restless. Augustine says, We are restless until we rest in God. And so if you're saying, you know what, I I am a Christian. I would say I'm a follower of Jesus, right? He is my Lord. He is my Savior. Uh, But there's this area in my life that I'm pretty restless. Here's the deal. It's a red flag for something that you're going to pursue. Identify it. Identify it. What is that thing? Who do you need to share that with? What steps do you need to take to try and step away from whatever that restlessness is? For some of you, you're restless because you've never said yes to Jesus. Have you ever said yes to His grace? Are you too busy trying to live a perfect life on your own? You know, Jesus didn't die for a future version of you but for who you are today. Right? Jesus knew what He was buying on the cross. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. It's a gift, and it's available to you. He has greater grace for you. He has greater grace for you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you uh, for today. Thank you for these words of your brother. How cool is that? Uh, that we get to sit under them. Uh, Father, I I know that it'd be easy to to look at these words and and call them abusive, but they're not. It's because you love us and you want better for us. And so I pray that each one of us would take to heart these words, that we wouldn't just hear them, but that we would do something with them, that we would pursue intimacy with you as you say, come come closer, come near, draw near. Uh, That's something that we would do that we would pursue you, that we would pursue intimacy with you, that we would see life change because of who you are and what you are doing in our lives and in our stories. I pray that we would be different people, that we would have different families, that we would have a different community because we've chosen to do something with pride. So I pray that you would do a good work in us and through us this week and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. And it's been awesome to be with you. Thank you for spending your morning.